0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony along with me as always. We got John. John, man, it feels real good being a King's fan right now. Three game win streak with a chance tonight on national TV to be over 500 uh, early on this season. You know, I think it's what, our, our 13th game. Uh, they're 6-6 six and six at the moment. So, I mean, it's it sounds so like a small goal or, you know, a goal or other franchises like whatever but man you know the kings aren't usually above 500 this early on or at any point in the season and just to have that on national tv and you know the kings are getting a lot of hype right now and ah oh, it just feels so exciting right now it's such an exciting time six of six of their last eight I'm just feel like i'm like rambling right now man but geez like Great. No, I'll keep going. Dude, I'm just pumped. I'm pumped to be a Kings fan right now. It feels good. It feels like like we little bandwagon starting to form. Fox and Sabonis, the Fox and the Ox, Red Velvet, man, Band-aid Monk. Jeez. The beam. Man, that beam. beam. Ever since we, you know, <laughs> since we they or the Kings, you know, put out that beam, man. I just they just keep lighting it up, it feels like. Let's see if they can, you know, light it up tonight against the Nets. But you know, I you I feel like you're better at breaking it down. So, what's going on, man? What's going on with in Sacramento? I mean, what else do you need to
1: know other than the Fox and the Ox and the Beam and the Band-Aid? Um, you know, they, these guys have been playing really good basketball. And we were saying it last week. Obviously, they were showing it. And um, they had just come off that really ridiculous loss. It was the second game against the Warriors, which was last week. And... You know, upward trajectory was kind of like the theme of that. It's like, regardless, they're losing a game like that. Like, still, like they probably could have won that game. They definitely should have had a chance to go to overtime. Um, And everything that's just come after that, it's three wins that the Kings have just looked absolutely fantastic in. And before we get into that, I do want to touch upon the fact that you said the bandwagon thing. And this team just seems like the perfect candidate to be what I would call bandwagon royalty, just because they haven't won in a while. Nobody really has a reason to hate this franchise. It's not like they've ever been like, you know, hated by anybody for the most part. Um, They never really, quite frankly, they've never really had a stretch good enough or long enough uh, to be hated. But, you know, it just seems like the perfect opportunity, small market kind of, you know, and uh, a lot of guys that you can like on this team and they play the right way. And Mike Brown's doing the right thing. It seems like pulling all the right strings uh, so far as head coach. And it just seems like the perfect candidate. It seems like, I don't know, it's like I'm a Niners fan. But even when the Niners were kind of good under Harbaugh, you could see the Seahawks like you're like, oh. And everybody got on that bad bandwagon. Because the 49ers, you can't get on their bandwagon. They were good for a long time. They haven't been they haven't won a Super Bowl in a long time. But uh, you know, they have that kind of like they're already kind of a prominent franchise. The Seahawks, like, what the hell have they really ever done? Except when Holmgren took them to the Super Bowl. And so it was a perfect opportunity in the way they played. People liked their characters. And I I feel like I always make references to football when I'm trying to talk about basketball, but I, it really feels like that was the perfect. There's so many freaking Seahawks fans now. The Seahawks are one of the more popular franchises because of that stretch of time. It's just the way they just came in with a boom, and it just seems like the Kings. And I know they're six and six right now, so it's early. Um, there's a lot of time to go. Anything can happen. But it just feels like, man, we kept saying upward trajectory. That we kept saying they were playing the right way from the beginning. We kept saying that they came in with with. Connections and good vibrations, as they like to say, good vibes. You know all these things, and it's been one thing falling on top of another. You know, productively, everything's kind of rung, kind of like everything that we've been told, been everything that we've kind of anticipated is kind of coming true. And again, it's early, but it's like, man, you can't help but to picture what can happen. And man, I don't know. Get ready. It probably won't be annoying because this team hasn't made the playoffs in sixteen years. Um, but if, at least in year one, it won't be annoying, but you know, get ready for, <laughs> get ready for bandwagon fans. I mean, it's going to be interesting too. Cause I know that there are, uh, a lot of people, there are a fair amount of people in Sacramento who root for the warriors. And most of those fans did not root for the warriors, you know, before about like eight years ago, you know, or so. So, you know, it's like one of those things where, just kick, maybe get ready for it. But that obviously shouldn't ruin the fact that they're playing just masterful basketball.
0: Yeah, they're playing so good. And they start off 0-4, right? And you're just like watching. It's like, like same old Kings, man. Like, blowing leads and not getting stops late. Um, and it's like, 0-4, like, man, like that was not, you know, for all the anticipation starting, going into the season. Not winning in your first four games was so disappointing. And you know, Barnes was slow, and Barnes is still, you know, kind of off to a slow start. But um yeah, like even bonus was like, yeah, like I wish he could, you know, put up a little better numbers and stay. Yeah, guys were collapsing value.
1: on him. the guys yeah. would close in on him, and he, he would almost he he was kind of sometimes getting a little flustered at times, and he was missing point blank shots. He was a little out of character those first four or five games.
0: Yeah. And you know, and then they just respond perfectly. Six of six of their last eight cents, and you know, and those two losses, <laughs> two end of the game calls that should have gone the Kings' way. I mean, they should have. Like, the last two minute report said like Hero traveled, Herter was fouled. Yeah, I'm not saying the Kings. You know, at the like Herter still had to make three free throws to tie and you know, the Heat game. I don't know. It's it was still a tight game if you take away that hero three anything could happen but you know like it, well they were de- to-
1: they were they were denied the opportunity to exactly win. they didn't time. didn't make them lose they just denied them the opportunity
0: yes and you know that's I don't know I'll I'll take those for my two losses I, I mean I don't want to but like it's a pretty clear factor to point out I'm not saying it's the only factor but anyways it's just they've responded so great um, Fox has been playing great all year. And it's so nice to see Sabonis just really, like I said, he was kind of a, like a slower start for Sabonis because you expected him to like be doing like twenty and twelve like each night from the get go, but he wasn't. Um, but I mean, shoot, he has as of late on Monday night or Sunday night, he was what twenty six and twenty two. I think over the yeah. last six games, he has at least scored twenty. Grabbed at least 10 and dished out at least six assists. So that's the kind of role that guy's on. And as good as Fox is, I mean, Fox is, you know, he's going to get those buckets. And he's been looking, he's like, he's a bucket getter right now, man. That mid-range is looking pure. Like, oh, take so that pretty. every time, dude. But, you know, that's where Sabonis kind of goes under the radar a little, where Fox is getting these flashy buckets. He's that clutch guy. I think he leads the, score- uh, the NBA in clutch scoring right now. But man, when Sabonis is off the floor, that team, the offense definitely struggles a little. Um, so you you can't downplay Sabonis, even though he's not. I mean, he's putting up great numbers, but he's just, Fox just, he gets, you know, the flashy points. And so he's the big deal right now. But I mean, I, he could definitely argue that Sabonis, you know, I don't really want to argue, but, um, you know, who's the best player right now? They were both nominated for uh, conference player of the week. And they lost off or they lost Steph, but they're both playing at a high level, and this is the exact type of play you're hoping when these two paired up, and we're just really seeing it all come to fruition right now, and it's beautiful to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess that's a great question. Um, it's hard to say, but I would probably go with Fox because Fox makes such a big difference on both sides of the floor. Sabonis is sometimes it's a problem defensively. You know, I mean, like they I think they probably the best thing that they could have done against the Warriors is what they did last night, which was make somebody else beat you. The trap and the what the box and one that they were using to basically just say, Curry, we're not going to let you shoot. And it, when he did shoot, he missed it. So, you know, it, he's you're either forcing him into a really, really tough shot, even for Steph Curry or. You're going to make somebody else beat you. And they got a lot of layups and everything like that. And they're giving up points in the paint or whatnot. But at the end of the day, you're taking away the thing that makes that team special. And but I guess I don't want to go off a tangent there. But uh, my point was that Fox makes such a big difference defensively and down the stretch in a game. He's he's just so good. Um, First of all, defensively, it's like I mean, first of all, everything starts with Fox, like everything. He's not just the point guard, you know, the offense obviously starts with him, but the defense starts with him. The, the, the locker room kind of starts with him in a way. Um, I think I will probably expand upon that later, but it's just, he leads everything and defensively he makes such a big difference. And, you know, obviously Davion Mitchell, when he comes off the bench, it makes, you know, he's doing similar things defensively, but it's that two way element of Fox that, that that is capped off by the fact that he's a closer. He's a stone cold killer. These last three games, uh, they argue they won mostly because of him in the last like three or four minutes of each game. You know they got he, I think he forced an offensive foul. I think he had a few good defensive plays down the stretch against Cleveland while also hitting shots. He absolutely dominated against the Lakers in the fourth quarter. He won them. That, he sealed up that game for the for the Kings. And again, he he. He initiated the um, the 2 run that the Kings finished on against the Warriors on Sunday night. Uh, I think the Warriors had gone on a run of their own, and Draymond had just gotten a like a layup, and uh, it kind of seemed like like oh no, um, you know, like what's going to happen here? Um, and in like the blink of an eye, Fox is down the floor scoring a layup. On Anthony Lamb, who had like no chance of guarding him, no chance of staying in front of him, um, unless he was gonna just all out foul him. And it, I I wrote about it in the recap for the game. It just felt like watching like David Attenborough, like you can like, <laughs> like, like, like commentate it, like it's planet Earth, like this predator coming out of the bushes. And it was so fitting that it's Fox and Lamb. Um, yeah. And, and it just, he just, all of a sudden, he's there, and Fox just has no time to react. All of a sudden, Fox has his teeth in you; he's tearing you up. That's it; it's over before you even know it. And it was just its its, you know, it's kind of like a oh, maybe a morbid image there, um, but it's like <laughs> it's just like you watch it and you're like, damn, like I was like, <laughs> kind of like you feel it, you know, like similar to a nature documentary, like the way you revere. Uh, the, the hierarchical nature of, uh, uh, of, of, of of the natural world or whatnot, and, you know, all that stuff. It's just like, I don't know, Fox is impressive, and he's he's top of the food chain is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's just, it, from start to finish, everything he does two ways, he's, he's, uh, I think he's like the best two-way player on this team, easily. And I didn't even think I would be saying that at the beginning of the year. And he's closing games. He's Everything runs through Sabonis offensively. Obviously, they're a great offensive team because of Sabonis. But Fox is the better player. And I didn't really think that at the beginning of the season. I thought that just because Sabonis was the key to everything, he was the best player. But Fox is, like I said, he's doing it on both ends. And I knew that, you know, everybody knew that defense is going to be so big for this team if they want to win games. And everybody knows that if he's going to be an all-star and get the recognition he deserves, they need to win games and so the middle link there was defense and obviously mike brown's in but and fox has always had like the potential to be a good defender but it's just like man he just he's
0: he's he's hitting the spot it's just it's perfect it's beautiful to watch yeah dude fox looks like such a well-rounded player i mean everything every every like thing fox had to work on um going into the season it's like you know the question marks he had like you know, Fox was never really that good of a defender in sack, um, you know, so far in his career. And uh, he kind of, you know, showed some effort at the end of last season. But, you know, like do it for a full season. And it's, you know, not a full season yet. But he's definitely come out and just like, man, like, you know, the effort goes a long way. And he's he's definitely showing that. And not just that. It's just like, okay, well, what about his shooting, his free throw shooting, his three-point shooting? It's like, man, is it shooting 83 from the stripe and 37 and a half from deep? Like
1: he just, right. how like, could I
0: forget? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just insane how like he just checked out like every box. It's like, all right, like, oh I'm not like I need to improve on this, like done. Need to improve on this done, need to improve on this done. And it just oh man, he's just really flourishing this year. He, he looks like an all star really. Like not just like as a Kings fan all star. It's like I don't know, like this dude could be an all star and I really hope the Kings can keep winning. Um, you know, February's still several months away. But you know it's going to depend on that record, and I think Fox is going to have the numbers, man. And ah, uh, like, I, shoot. So also bonus at this point. But kind of backtracking to what you're saying about how Fox is a killer, man. Like closing out games, leading the league in clutch points. Oh, and that was the other thing. He like his sorry to backtrack <laughs> what I was just saying. That something else that was a question mark from him was being a leader. But you know right. he seemed to be checking that box. But again, going back to closing out games and Fox, you know, just really taking over and, um, you know, finishing those games for wins. It's, it's nice to see. And like you said, not only is he scoring the buckets, he's getting stops. And as a team, they're getting stops as well, which in the first four games, you know, they weren't doing that. They weren't getting stops when they needed to, to, you know, secure wins or keep them in the ball game. And it just looked like, just like characteristic, characteristic Kings, right? Just. You're like, ah, oh, like you need a stop right here. Just like no stop in the last four minutes. <laughs> just like, man, like get a stop. But over this, you know, these last six wins over the last eight games, like they're getting those stops when they need it. And, you know, they're executing on the offensive end as well. And it's just, it's just really refreshing to see. Cause <laughs> as a fan over the last 16 years, like that's just something you don't see. Just like, okay, like, oh, they're getting a bucket when they need it. Great. The other team. So it's just, the defense is looking a lot better, especially in the clutch. And Fox, like you said, dude, is just a stone cold killer. He just man, he's he just taking over. I'm telling you, that mid range, that little like turnaround that he does with a hand in his face, just like you know, take that shot every time. He just drains that's, it. It's just like weird. I know that's going in, you know. It's like that's how much confidence I have in him. Like mid range, like boom. Elbow jumper. He was always good at that elbow jumper, but geez, he's he really He's taking it up to the next level. It's like I remember um Christy, Doug Christie was saying, like, I don't know if this is <laughs> if I'm reaching here, but um he said like Kobe used to like take <laughs> like practice shooting with like a guy's hand literally in his face so we couldn't see. And I feel like I like, I don't know, Fox is making these, you know, tough fadeaway shots just look so easy with a hand in his face. Like, yeah, he's got some separation, but he just looks automatic with that, that shot. And it's insane. And you know, he, he that's his, seems like to be his go-to shot lane in game. So he's just been awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like
1: watching, um, everybody says, you know, everybody uses, <laughs> everybody will say like, uh, it, it's like watching a ballet. I'm like, I've never seen a ballet, so I'm not going to use, I'm not going to say that, but it is like watching something. It's so graceful, beautiful. And everything about his game is so good. And sometimes you just want it to slow down because he plays so damn fast. You want to just watch it in slow motion to really appreciate it. And, yeah, he's just – he's like right – I mean, and like you're saying, Sabonis could easily be an all-star too if he keeps playing the way he's been playing his last, you know, five, six, seven games. Um, But Fox is – he's just proven. He's just – best player on this team and like you said he's checked every box up and down that's just crazy you you can hardly believe it but I mean kind of another thing on that kind of leadership note that you were talking about um, because I I was just saying everything starts with Fox and in a way the culture of the locker room because obviously I think the culture probably starts more with Mike Brown but you know, from the player standpoint, it starts with Fox and I guess they're, they, they got their motto, like all in everybody's, they, you know, Fox said it on media day. Plenty of other guys have used the same words. The guys are bought in, um, you know, you'll hear Sabonis talk about the good vibes, like, you know, uh, and it's just, it, it feels like it starts with Fox and is there's, there's a mutual understanding between players and coach right now, obviously you could see it in the fact that these last three games with Cleveland this past Wednesday, the Lakers this past Friday and uh, the Warriors just the other day. Um, those were three of the last teams that Mike Brown had coached. And I think it probably was, I don't know hundred percent know if it was said um, for the Laker game, or the Cleveland game, but it was definitely a main point of emphasis from the players after the Warriors game that they wanted to win this game for Mike. And that's like, it sounds so stupid. It really sounds kind of sappy as it's coming out of my mouth there, but it's like, man, you can't like, it's early, you know, anything can happen, but it's like, that sounds like that's a, that's a great start to something even greater. So, and it goes both ways. Like I said, because Mike Brown has tremendous trust in his players and, and, he's allowed to have tremendous trust in his players again, because his players have tremendous trust in him and you could see it um, late against the warriors before the the Kings ended up going on their run. Uh, I think, uh, I don't remember who the the shooter was, but the warriors got a three in transition and um, Mike Brown called a timeout and called Fox out on it. He either wanted Fox to stop the guy with the ball or, continue running and close out the guy in the corner, um, or both, one of which, or if not one, the other, whatever the deal was. He was he wanted to tell him that. And uh, Mark Jones and Katie Christensen on the broadcast described it. It's like, you know, he's talking demonstratively, but it was it to each other, but it was a one-way street. It was just Mike Brown talking demonstratively to Fox, and Fox is taking it in, listening. And what did he do? He made the adjustments, they ended up going on that 12-2 run to win the game. And Fox just wants to learn. And uh, Mike Brown was asked, um, I think by Deuce Mason on uh, Saturday, uh, what he's noticed about Fox that maybe surprised him on or off the court. And Mike Brown essentially compared him to Tim Duncan. And that back in Mike Brown's San Antonio days, he remembered Greg Popovich saying that, remind me to thank Tim Duncan. And (laughs) Mike Brown's like, why are you going to thank your player? Like, what are you talking about? Well, I need to thank him for allowing me to coach him, was what he said. And I guess the way Mike Brown described it, you know, think about it this way. It's like you have this star player, Tim Duncan, and early on in Greg Popovich's career, he's trying to tell Tim Duncan what to do. Many times, a superstar that doesn't want that to be the case says, like, hey, I know better. You know, he can get that coach fired, no problem. You see it happen all the time franchises always take the the side of their star players and Greg Popovich was allowed to coach him. And what did that do? It gen- not only generated a great career for Greg Popovich, but it generated a, a dynasty, essentially a basketball dynasty. And uh, Mike Brown, I guess had, had compared Fox to that, uh, to, to Tim Duncan in that respect, because he's allowed him to coach him and it was a perfect example it was crazy because he said that before the Warriors game and the next game in a huge moment you know he's talking to Fox and I don't know that might have come like right before uh the block uh that he had in the corner I don't know maybe mixing up the timing of everything but it's just I guess Fox is just he he's eager to get better he's eager to win and there's just Everything about it from Brown to the players, Fox and spe- uh, specifically, there's just that you can finally feel like, and it's early, I know, and they haven't made the playoffs or whatever, but it's just like the big thing was the culture change, and it's obviously changed. It's obviously way better than it's ever been. And man, credit to both of them, you know?
0: Yeah, dude. The culture change is, I mean,. <laughs> like you said everyone bought into it and that was you know always that big question going into the season and the culture and you know McNair made a you know an important topic in the off season to build that culture and you know get people to buy in and you know as Fox is your leader um you know on the court and looks like off the court now um you know just just letting your coach chew you out in front of everyone and You know, just being like, okay, and then, you know, getting that block on Curry in the corner, that just shows a lot. You know, he's taking it from off court to on court and. You know, it's just it's just awesome, really. Like you you don't see that in the past. And like you're saying, like they wanted to win those games for Mike Brown, at least the Warriors won. Like I don't remember ever hearing, you know, the Kings going out against the Lakers or Warriors for Luke Walton trying to beat them, you know. So it's just that, it's like that different, you know, connection with the players and just, you know, that different. Mike Brown has such,
1: he's such trust in his players. And I wrote about it. You could see it in training camp because they came out of, I think the first preseason game. And Mike Brown said, I think out of a practice, um, he said like, I'm really surprised with this team. Like they I've been really surprised with how much they've kind of like taken on you know, the offense and the, the principles that he's preaching and whatnot and, and, and executing so well in practice and doing what he wants. And he said that that's like, it's nice. Cause this is a good group of guys and he's not just talking them up, but he's, he's legitimately saying that he has trust in them. And he might even have said that explicitly, like I have tremendous trust in them, And he was talking, he might've brought it up the the word trust specifically when he was, kind of talking about how important that is, which, you know, having coached under Greg Popovich, having coached under Steve Kerr, he knew that those teams succeeded not because the coaches took control, but because the coaches did a lot of the work beforehand uh, throughout, you know, practices throughout the early part of the season. Like you see the the Warriors, the Warriors look way better on Saturday or on Sunday because my, Steve Kerr is starting to make tough decisions about his rotation. And, you know, you know, more James Wiseman, which frankly, if you watch the Warriors, it's like, that guy's not good. That's a huge problem for them. But you, you, you see, you make these decisions and then you have to let the players execute. You, they have to be well-coached, disciplined enough to be able to execute. At the end of the day, it's a player's league and the smartest coaches know that. And the smartest coaches use that to their advantage. And so, Mike Brown has tremendous trust in this team. You can see it in the fact that he'll let Sabonis play when he gets in foul trouble. Um, the fact that he's sticking with Keegan Murray, uh, even though he's got off court issues. I mean, he's, he was talking about that. I think on Saturday too, saying that like, I've, we've, the whole organization is making sure that we're, we're here to support him. I'm letting him know, like, just go out there and play. Like, you're not going to lose minutes. Like, don't worry about any of that stuff. He's just, it, there's a, there's a, there's a, connection that's running throughout the locker room uh coaching staff to players it's insane for as much as fox has done i mean mike brown is just obviously the he's he's put the stake in the ground that started the 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 building this kind of chain link fence of uh of of of, uh good culture i don't know why it would be a chain link fence that doesn't
0: (laughs) but you know what i mean uh yeah it's kind of it's it's crazy yeah. No, he he just seems awesome. Like by like they it seemed like they made just an excellent decision hiring that dude and it's you know, it's looking like it's paying off so far, so he's been he's just been awesome. I don't really have much more to, more to add than what you've been saying. He's been gassing him up, but he really has done, you know, a lot of work so far this season and um also you know, I mean it, another welfare.
1: Mm-hmm. Another th- another thing about it, because you remember, like um, one of the things that got Fox, uh, not Fox got Mike Brown in trouble in his first stint with Cleveland when LeBron was there, was that like he called out LeBron one time, I think in like a film session, and then like LeBron like talked to him. I may have been mixing this up, but I think it was something to this effect. And then like Mike Brown stopped like calling him out. And just a bunch of players lost respect for him. And that's just kind of, maybe that underlines the importance of being able to coach your star, but it's like it, that probably just as much as watching Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, that, that probably totally underlines the fact that you, you have to, you have to be the coach. There has to be, you have to be the authority at the end of the day. Um, And for, quite frankly, it, like I said, to be able to have that trust late in the game, you have to instill them with that stuff anyways. So it's just – it's good that the players know it, you know, because the players understand what it takes to win. So it's just – it's it's crazy because it's just like we knew that the, the culture would be better with Mike Brown. But I don't know if I really expected it to be like, like this immediate. Of course, it would be different because it's a completely different coaching staff and whatnot, and it seemed like a completely different group of players. Um, but it's just like everything's gelling. Um, and maybe we look back – a month or two from now and shit goes sour um uh maybe something not necessarily in the long run but just you know maybe it's not as rose rosy as it is now but right now it just seems like they're really on a good track and they've made crazy progress that i just didn't expect in the culture department which is really at the end of the day what you want
0: yeah and you know they, they don't really have anyone or like any players on the team that are known as head cases, you know, if anything, they got rid of buddy, um, you know, who was an issue uh, off court. But I mean, other than that, they, they brought in, you know, and no, like, I don't know if they brought in good. I mean, they did bring in high quality guys. No one like you would expect like, Oh, wow, that's a really high quality guy. But you know, Herder's not a guy that you hear about like, you know, off court or monk or anyone like that. And you, you, Drafted really well and, you know, Mitchell and Murray who are, you know, young guys who are eager to learn and they're going to work really hard. So, um you know, I'm not totally surprised, but it is nice to see it like come together so quickly. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think like the- McNair built that. Like he, he saw this, he like got the recipe, got the ingredients and, you know, it's like turning out really well. So. Yeah. And I think
1: just to kind of kick it back to, to Mike Brown there, because it's all our credit to McNair, you know Um, we said that at the beginning of the season, it's just like, you know, this is a, it seems like a, you know, a horse that can win a race, you know? Um, But uh, Mike Brown made sure everybody knows their role and we would probably see instances or, or signs of, of someone, maybe not, taking on their role because they probably wouldn't be here, you know? Uh, Cause that's, it's just, you have to know your role. It, it seems like in Mike Brown's from Mike Brown's team to even really even be on the team, you know, and it seems like everybody's kind of in line. Everybody understands their role. And uh, that's, that's, that, that, that goes a long way. It really does. Um, but, you know, We're kind of talking about how like it's a player's league and we've talked a lot about Fox. Um, And we kind of touched upon the fact that he, he could easily be an all-star and, you know, maybe we both agreed on the fact that Fox is the best player on this team, but DeMontis Savonis is, uh, it's kind of crazy how good he's been these last few games. And in particular, just kind of the way he's, Cause he just looked so sloppy in the beginning of the season. Um, not for any lack of aggression, but he's, he's kept up being aggressive and he's just been executing better. It just seems like, and it probably has a lot to do with the flow of the offense and the understanding of the offense for the other four guys around him. But the game just looks a lot easier for him again. And he just, he's looking like himself. And, you know, we were alluding to the fact that he could easily be an all-star obviously. And, it's really easy to see why, especially when you make that case of if the Kings can win games. Because one of the things about this team is they're one of the best offenses in the league. It's just that's the way it is. And that is because of Sabonis. They're just it's such a difference maker when he's on the floor. You know, you could totally see it. Um, when the second game against the Warriors this season, when Met like Met, Metu had some good minutes, it was not the same thing in the most recent one. Uh, I think he came out in, in the negative by 1 point. Maybe he was nothing, but um you could totally see it. It's just it's, it's the offense is completely different when Sabonis isn't on the floor. And uh it just he he he's not just the center on the team, but he's like the center of the team in a way. Fox is the best player, but it seems like Sabonis is like
0: the kind of the scaffolding or the uh, the, the kind of structure, yeah, you know like I mean? the foundation, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's yeah, like I agree. I, I think Fox is the best player, but this team would collapse without Sabonis. You know, I think more so than without Fox, which is interesting um, because just just Sabonis, dude, he is the focal point of that offense. If Fox doesn't have the ball, right? I mean, he's facilitating. He just, I don't know. It's just so nice to watch a big man like him facilitate the offense and everything runs through him and yeah like you said he goes off the floor and you know starts to struggle a little and he's just he's just so good he's good in the two-man game he's good at passing and directing traffic so um yeah they definitely hurt when he's off and uh you know it just shows how you know focal of a point he is on this team and why you could technically argue he is the best player yeah, I, it's definitely it's never definitely it's, no, it's no easy argument. Yeah, exactly. Because I think he's more important to everyone else's, you know, um, success. Really, like yeah. I don't know, is Herter having this good of a year if it's not Sabonis and Holmes, you know, at the center position? I don't well, think I'll tell so. you.
1: I'll tell you right now. No, because Herter has been talking about how everything about this offense is just he can trust that the ball is going to come back to him. And he's always talked about how that's because of Sabonis. Yeah. And so that – absolutely. Absolutely. And just to touch upon the two – I mean, like, Herder and him in the two-man game is just as fun to watch as him and Fox. And I almost feel like you see it a little bit more sometimes. Um, but, you know, you see Sabonis sometimes with Monk. You see him with – I think you've seen it a couple of times with Murray. And it's just like <laughs> – all these connections, it's just so – it's so crazy and it just – it keeps defenses off balance, uh, gives them different looks, and there's just so many weapons on this team. And like you said, it's because of Sabonis. He's he's kind of loading each of these weapons with ammunition, and it's it's great. You know, it's it's what makes him so special. And uh, I think that is an interesting concept, though, that it's like Fox is the best player, like, but if you take Sabonis away they collapse far more than they would, uh, than they would without Fox. And, you know, and that's not to say like, they'd be fine without Fox. Like they're obviously, we're talking about how Fox is like closing out games. He's taking things, you know, upon himself to really kind of make, give his team the edge in the end. Um, so you'd be losing that. So you'd probably still be losing games. Um, but without Sabonis he's like he's that glue he just connects everything he keeps the team competitive you know a team without fox uh would look a lot like how the team looked after the sabonis trade last year it's like oh they're competing pretty well but it's like not quite you know fox puts them over the top fox makes them a contender not just for the i mean he makes them a contender for you know a potential winning record this season uh, and definitely a play in contender, um. But it's like this Sabonis is a bonus. It's just you can never lose sight of him. Um, I I feel like I tell you this when we're kind of like leading up to the podcast, just like man, I feel like we should talk about Sabonis, but I just don't know what to say, you know, because he just don't want to get redundant because it's
0: like yeah, he's good. Um, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <No, it's, laughs> I mean, it's true. It's just, like I said, he's like Fox, cause like Fox is that clutch guy, you know? He's leading in clutch scoring right now. He's the one who's gonna score those points at the end of games or just throughout the game, and he's gonna get buckets when he needs to get a bucket. That's your go-to score right there. Where like I said, Sabonis, he's not as flashy, you know? He's the one facilitating the offense. But, you know, not every you know, not every time the ball runs through him, he's gonna get an assist. So he's not gonna rack up like fifteen assists a game. But so I don't know, it's just kinda like that concept where you, you know, you just notice Fox a little more than Sabonis. Sabonis kind of does more of the dirty work, Um but again, very integral. I don't, I don't even want to ask. I, I mean, I'm not even. I'm not even going to debate who's better. They're they're just both so good, and that's why they were both nominees for Western Conference Player of the Week, and you know, deservedly. Yeah. They were. They're both really good and both very integral to the success of this team, each in their own way. Really, yeah. I mean, there's a. There's a very maybe good both. chance they could, there's a very good chance they could both be all-stars. Dude. Oh God. no!
1: Cause we so said cool. that we, I think we said that at the beginning of the year too. Cause it's like, there's pretty good chance Sabonis can be an all-star like Fox, like if Fox is an all-star, like, cause we were talking, I think kind of about like, maybe it's easier for Sabonis there's like less competition, maybe for Sabonis to be an all-star uh, as opposed to Fox. Um, but Fox has just put himself at the top of the list. So I just I wouldn't be surprised if they have two All-Stars. Maybe that's getting greedy. Um but man, like we said, this team is popping up on a lot of people's radars and uh, you know, you definitely it's early, but you definitely can't rule it out.
0: But kind of off of Sabonis. Well, um, sorry, even before. No, keep that, going. No, it's like you say it's still early and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, the Kings every now and then they had like a good start to the season. But kind of like where we said going into the season it it just is different it feels different there's actually like they look super good on paper and these wins in this early start to the season it's like yeah six and six and everything but it just it just looks so different than what we've been seeing the last 16 years and there's you know there feels like there's a good chance that they can continue winning games and like not like a very high rate but like a better rate that they've been in the last 16 years and where they actually have a legit shot at making the play That's what it actually feels like, you know, regardless how early it is, it just, it really does look different than years past. And you know what? I'm not saying you should get your hopes up. I hope you are, but I think there's, you know, you should you, Yeah. There's a better chance this year than what we've seen in, in years, years past. I feel like I got redundant right there, but it's, it's different. It's di- I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> but what were you gonna say?
1: Well, off of Sabonis, Sabonis has been so terrific, and you know, like Fox has been terrific. And you get, you, you know, I'm talking about how great Fox is on the defensive end. You get maybe a little bit even more of a lift on the defensive end in his backup, um, and, and and Mitchell and Mitchell's, you know, hit a couple of threes here in the last couple of games. He's had kind of his ups and downs offensively. But you also have Monk, who's great at facilitating as a backup. There's a lot of guys that can handle the ball, but a backup to Sabonis has been a little like a little more. It's a little harder to come by. Um, it's been Metu for since like Orlando, um, and he's like you know okay. <laughs> been better than I thought. He's really surprised me. <laughs> like I really yeah. thought. That
0: he, like me too. Like
1: <laughs> like honestly, me too for Metu. I don't know, that's just- <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it, you know he does some things well. He's he's had some nice energy plays. He had a, like a moment against the Warriors. He, dunk, right? he just went straight to the rim, dribbled straight yeah. to the rim, boom! You, you give me that. I I'm told
0: you that he's the energy guy. I remember like that's the one thing Metu can do. do he can, it. He has those energy plays, and you know those are those are big off the bench. It gets the crowd into it, gets the bench into it. But sorry, yeah, no, no, no. I mean
1: like absolutely like some alley oops. He's definitely I think getting um. We're. I think we were talking about, like, it's weird that Holmes, like, yeah, he doesn't have Halliburton, but how could you not build chemistry on alley-oops with other guys on this team? We were just talking about how there's there's so many ball handlers on this team, so many people that can, can take it to the rim and, and, and facilitate at the rim. And you can't find somebody to match up with? Well, Metu, I think he's gotten a couple from, like, him and Monk have tried to hook up a couple times, and I think they have. Uh, I, I think he might have gotten one from Fox as well. So it's like... That's that's great to see, um, but one of the things that's kind of important is is the defensive end because that seemed to be what Metu was providing at first. Um, like when he came in, like it kind of all started, I guess, with the first Warriors game when he came in for basically the fourth quarter and he stayed in the whole game because they played better defense with him. Um, they weren't doing, you know, two games later against the Warriors, they're running that trap and that box and one that I guess Mike Brown threw at them before the game started. They did like a walkthrough and they'd never done it before and they executed it pretty well. Um, but they weren't doing that in game one. So with Metu out there, they had better switchability. You didn't have so much of the Warriors exploiting a switch where you all of a sudden have DeMontis Sabonis guarding Steph Curry. Um, it was a little bit more manageable, I guess, to be able to have uh, Metu out there switching. And that's not to say that Metu's like bam out of bio or anything like that or, or like you know even even Damian Jones um, but he he gives you a little bit better of an option there. That seemed to be the case at first. But then it's like these last couple of games there's been some defensive moments where it's like yeah like he got beat by Austin Reeves like and Austin Reeves isn't really like an athletic you know gifted athletically gifted NBA player um, in any way. So like that was kind of troubling, but one of the things that gives you hope with Matt too is because he is providing, you know, things on the offensive end. Um, but I think he was getting taken to the rim by somebody against the Warriors. And like, obviously, like I said, like you're not going to expect Metu to stop a guy, like lock a guy down. But what ended up happening is you got good help on a rotation that time. So, you know, maybe I don't want to put so much on Metu for the defense. He's definitely not a guy you want out on an island against anybody. But neither is Harrison Barnes or um, a lot of guys on this team. But you know, Metu, I guess I, I'm just trying to have a hard. To, uh, this is a hard way of saying that like Metu's been just like like adequate. <laughs> maybe that's like kind of too too kind. <laughs> He's just been like okay. It's been compared to everything else like. I guess it's better, you know.
0: I do, yeah. Compared to everything else, it's fine. It's fine by me, I guess. I mean, better than Rashawn Holmes, you know. He's, he's yeah, just, he's just gone now. I guess he's just. Uh, I, don't I don't know. I don't know how he. I don't know how Holmes is gonna work himself back in the rotation. Yeah, no. I mean, at least Metis like stepped up to the challenge when Holmes and I mean, you never really expect a Len to be, you know. That guy yeah. on a night-to-night basis, just because he's you
1: know, Len Len serves one purpose. Yeah, as a bruiser. Yeah, and you're never going to use that unless it's certain matchups and at certain points in those matchups.
0: Um, yeah, but,
1: but you, you know, Matt, like
0: yeah, good go for Metu. Yeah, I was just like good for Met Metu. Like you know, it, it's kind of worked in his favor recently, where he's had some small ball lineups where he can fit in and. Um, you know, play that well, and you know he's he's doing the best as he can for Chemezi Metu, right? Like, it's more it's he's you know he surprised me so far. Um, he, it seems like his threes are down a little, um, which is good because he was jacking those things up. He's still taking them, but last year he was jacking them up every op, every open three he got. He was just like, all right, yeah. He almost he almost looks hesitant this year, actually, which is great. He should be. Um, <laughs> he's terrible. He's a terrible. Thing. <laughs> he can make the. He's like, yeah. No, he's not good. But he can um, get hot. He can get hot. But unless he's not, if he's not hot, then stop. Don't don't take him. I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. So I mean, he's providing minutes. That you know, someone's got to step up at that that uh, backup five position right now, and he's doing it. And good for him. <laughs> That's all I can say. Like, thank you, Metu. Like. Cause you know, screw Rashawn Holmes. I guess at this point, jeez, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a little harsh, but jeez, <laughs> yeah, I'm like gee, man, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me take that back. But <laughs> I just upsetting. Like, dude, what's going on with you? We were talking about it. It's a huge. It created a huge hole. Like yeah. it was
1: unforeseen.
0: I t- but, I just think he's pissed, dude. I I that's why it's a little upsetting to me. I think he's pissed. I think he's just like. I think he's just like ah oh, man. I'm on the backup now. Like, he, oh man, I mean, just imagine if Holmes was playing just like at the same energy level he had been over the last three seasons, you know, he would be, He this team would be a lot better. Like, honestly, they would be really good. Yeah. But now we have, you know, Sabonis doesn't really have that backup now. Like, Holmes was a huge part of why this we thought this team had such good depth, right? It was Monk, Mitchell, right. and Holmes off the bench. Like, wow, that's really good. But it's just like boom, you take off, you know, Holmes, or you take off some bonuses back up, and Holmes, who was the starting center for the last two and a half seasons, um, it's just frustrating. I'm the I'm personally frustrated over it because, like, I, he could be playing bad, you know, that's one thing. But it's the lack of energy that I saw with him on the floor when he was playing, where just like, like you clearly don't want to be here. You know, it's like, you just, mm. you can just tell. So that, that's where my frustration towards Holmes is coming. And that's like, we all love Holmes and sack, man. Like he, like he was a fan favorite. Everyone loved the dude. And it's like, I don't know. He's still getting paid, you know? So and yeah. now you're just going to ride the bench. I don't know. Maybe there's more happening, but I, I just, there's no explanation at this point. For me, so yeah, we we were saying that last week it's like it's just going to get s- it's just speculation
1: at that point. But on the note that maybe he's not happy, we were just talking about that Mike Brown emphasizes the know your role, and if you don't really know your role or you're not happy with your role, you're probably not going to be on the team. Well, we're it's not like you can just release <laughs> Rashawn Holmes, you know, um, or not. I mean, you, I guess you could, but you know, nobody's going to do that. The yeah, you're not going to. But. Um, you know, it's just it's like that might be the best guess. But just like I guess to kind of like stay a little positive on uh, Mezzi M- M- over here uh, is that like maybe because like you, you think about it, it's like if anybody's going to figure out how to make M- mezzi Metu effective, like decent on the defensive end, and he's shown flashes of it, um, it's Mike Brown because Mike Brown – Defensive coordinator effectively of the Warriors last season was quoted as saying that he doesn't really think you need a rim protector. You can play basically a five man defense and protect the rim that way. And I think he thinks Metu can be like not just in small lineups, but in a lot of lineups, be the five in that kind of like team defense situation. Kind of, kind of like Looney, maybe. He'll- It's exactly like Looney. Looney's not a rim protector. He's not... I mean, obviously, he's a little... I think he's probably stronger than Metu. But one of the things that you see from Looney and Draymond Green, how do they protect the paint? How do they have such a good defense last season? Um, They're two bigs, effectively. Looney and Draymond were two of the best communicators on the team defensively. And you see that naturally with big men, centers in particular. You're in the back, so you're always communicating Telling guys what's happening, um, so it would be interesting to see Metu develop overall, particularly in that communication and in that kind of like awareness and understanding, you know, how everything works together defensively. I guess like Metu is interesting, and it's almost like I feel like we'll get to this in a second, but it's like people want to talk about getting a center, and I. Don't think that would be a bad idea. Like trying to get someone that maybe has a little bit more Sabonis skill set, while still keeping, you know, a guy like Metu, and just kind of playing matchups more or less, um, might not be a bad option. Um, All right, if, say it. Yeah, but but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, but okay. I just people have to understand that it's like I wouldn't be surprised if if Mike Brown's saying like, look, let's hold off on that for a second. I think we can do something with Jimenez Metu. And we always talk about the fact that he's got tremendous trust in his players. He has extremely like embedded trust. It just seems unshakable in the guys that he coached in the, for the Nigerian uh, national basketball team at the Olympics. And, uh, you know, Metu might stick there for a while, and it'd be, it's on him to get better. And I think he has a chance to, and that's probably more so a credit to um, Brown than it is Metsu, but you know Metsu is your best option obviously right now um it'll be interesting to see what happens, but like I said, I'm sympathetic to the idea I guess that you should go after somebody now I get also that there's not really a lot of options, and the four options that get thrown out are four guys that are arguably or not arguably they are past their prime three of them are shouldn't even be in the league quite frankly The one exception is DeMarcus Cousins because of what DeMarcus Cousins did with the Nuggets last season and you know we this was probably more a story last week than it is now and there's not really anything that's happened on it since but you know we we just missed it when we did our podcast last week what are your thoughts on a potential DeMarcus Cousins Sacramento Kings reunion. Do you think it works? Do you think it's possible? I mean, obviously it feels like it's possible, but what
0: are your thoughts? So I'm going to preface this with saying I did not like DeMarcus Cousins in Sacramento. Uh, I just thought he was a crybaby, Wasn't good for the culture. I, I recognized his talent, but I just, I just didn't like the guy really. And I was happy when he got traded, but you know, like, With the hole at the five right now, or or for the backup five, I guess. Uh, I mean, Cousins isn't a bad option. I mean, Cousins just seems like, you know, like a sixty percent off like Sabonis in a way. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like they have good post moves. Um, you know, like Cousins, you You can kind of handle through Cousins. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So they kind of, you know, it'd be easy to plug in Cousins in, to Sabonis's role and, like, have him do that if you even want to run the bench like that, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, Malik Monk is kind of the leader of the bench. I mean, if you want to run the offense through him. But you can, you know, potentially plug in Cousins into Sabonis's role and it to be, you know, be done more effective than, I guess, Holmes or Metu. So it, I think it is intriguing, and of course, it's a storyline because everyone, you know, loved cousins in Sacramento, except me, I guess. And um, you know, he, had a, he has a history here, obviously. But I'm I'm open to the idea. I don't know if it's just, you know, I don't know if anything will come from it. It's obviously making headlines, or it was making headlines because of cousins back to Sac is a headline in itself. So, but I I'm not opposed to it. If you know that Metu's our best option at the back of five. And, you know, you like, made, you made a good point. Like maybe they can develop, he or Mike Brown can develop Met or yeah Metu into, you know, a better defensive five. But until, you know, we see that happen, Cousins isn't a bad option. I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if I agree
1: 100%, um, it's like he would give you that option to just be kind of a cheap version, carbon copy, back up to Savonis. Um, And I think he would help. I I think the Kings played like three games against the Nuggets between like February and March last year, like within a span of a few weeks. And uh, I remember watching those games, listening to the Denver commentators. And all I could talk about was like how great Boogie was for the second unit's energy and just like kind of connecting everybody there. And it's like, maybe that's obviously not needed because the second unit looks really good basically with monk leading the charge as you've been saying, but it can't be discredited. It couldn't hurt to have another, you know, body in there that uh, is a little bit more effective. Um, And, you know, for all the things that he can do, they're, they're pretty decent. Obviously he's nowhere close to being, great um and i still think there would be moments where maybe you want to see that two out there which sounds weird to say but um you know it's it would fit but i just don't know that it would happen just because i feel like um one of the people that is kind of endurably bound to the organization and that he owns it um he that cousins didn't really get along with um And I don't think anything's better on that front uh, would be Vivek Ranadive. Now, if Vivek Ranadive is completely out of kind of basketball decisions as it is, or as it were, um, then maybe that doesn't matter. But I just can't help (laughs) but think that Vivek's like, no, fuck that guy. Like, (laughs) like, no, forget it. Um, I don't know. That's kind of pure conjecture at that point. But it's just like, I think for that reason, it's like, no, I don't know, and I, I don't know. We're kind of getting to a point where it's like, like if we're at next week and he's not here. I mean, like, I don't know. Like again, unless Metu's not getting better, um, like I just I feel like, don't you think that would have kind of happened already?
0: Yeah, you would think so, right? I mean, you know, the dude will would sign a vet min, right? So it's not like money's an issue, um. And, you know, you can just drop Maneke or Akpala down to the G League, um, which it seems like Maneke kind of flip-flopping between the G League and the NBA, whatever's up with that. I don't know. I just thought about that. But, um, you know, like you said, like, <laughs> if, if it was going to happen, it would happen, right? Like, what's the holdup at this point? But, but you know, it. it the only reason this is a headline on top of it, it wasn't like McNair or like the, the, there was rumors that Kings were interested in another backup center at all. You know, it was just Carmichael Dave tweeted something about maybe bringing back Cousins for the reasons we noted and Cousins being like, yeah, I would love to help Zach back to the playoffs. So, I mean. Exactly. So that's, that's it. You know, that's, that's why this conversation's here. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Nothing that in is the a, front That's office. very important to say. Because it's just it's kind of just social media generated, exactly. But I mean, it's, it brings up a fair point, though. You know, like it's we don't have a backup center. Cousins, you know, he he could provide you know a fill for that hole at the moment. Um, but like, I so. think
1: it's the perfect. I think even better than that, but my favorite thing to pivot to is like, wouldn't it be better if this team had Damian Jones, who's like hardly Dude. playing for the Lakers?
0: I know, like, man. I'm like, uh, maybe just to call off the Lakers and be like,
1: we'll give you a for, for Jones. I don't know. I doubt. I don't like think it that would yeah, that wouldn't work money wise. But could you
0: give a shoot? We don't have any shooters, do we? You should have kept Merrill. I do. That's what I was <laughs> kind of thinking right now. I'm like, if you keep Merrill this chance of Damian Jones.
1: <laughs> Number one pick in the G League draft, man. <laughs> was he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Once he got waived, I guess, you know, because he just they didn't have any connection to him. There's no uh designation or whatever in his contract. Um he entered the draft, I guess. <laughs> I saw no he, like,
0: he he was on social media the other day, like on G, like the G League's profile or maybe even the NBA's. I think he like hit like a, a big shot or something. I don't know. I'm like, ah oh, it's Sam Merrill. I like Sam Merrill. He's cool.
1: I liked him too. I thought he was really good and he impressed a lot of guys in camp. I thought he's kind of another one of those kind of guards that can kind of handle the ball. You can have him kind of run, pick and roll a little bit and he can shoot really well. He's obviously not as athletically gifted or like ball handling wise gifted, but you know, as a backup for that's we're talking about like having similar skill sets. That's, it just seemed like Sam Earl would have been good for that, but
0: odd man out. Unfortunately. Yeah. He, there is just no, you know, he's, he's just a shooting guard really. And we already had three of those. So it was just, you know, <laughs> he just, he just wasn't going to make the team really. Yeah. But I liked him. Bring him back. I'm gonna trade him. I know. But I know Damian yeah. Jones, dude. I love Damian Jones. It's yeah, just back. for
1: everybody. merrill has got four games under his belt so far this year. In uh, I don't know what team this is. CLC. I think he's on the
0: Cavs. I think he's on the Cavs. Oh yeah, team.
1: Cleveland Charge. He's averaging 19 and 19 and a half points a game and four four starts. Uh, shooting forty point six percent from three, three point <laughs> eight not... assists, three point five rebounds. Like I just love it. I just, He did a little bit of everything. He's just I, nice.
0: he's a good player. I did not expect to be bringing up Sam Merrill's G League stats on this. <laughs> dude, but it's kind of it's kind of nice. Love the Sam Merrill's cool guy. You know. Yeah, Sweet. man. Love to Sam Merrill, man. Dude, Sam Merrill, dude. He's he's the next big thing that's going to come out of the G League. Saying it here first. Hey man, he's gonna be the Steve Young of basketball. Dude,
1: I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah, I guess I just you know um that kind of moving on here, uh <laughs> I think we kind of said what we needed to say about the backup centers there. And San Maryland. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, we'd kind of mentioned Harrison Barnes at the beginning, and I just feel like this is kind of becoming a weekly thing. Where we have to do a weekly update on Harrison Barnes, and I he in the games that he's looked better offensively, where he's contributed, uh, my observation was that it was it was very like deliberate, and you could see against the Warriors, Keegan Murray was far more involved. Maybe that was deliberate. Maybe he's just in a better headspace at home. He's talked about that. Stats kind of back it up. Especially since the terrible thing happened to his grandma and Charlotte, um, the lone game that he really had that was good before uh, Sunday night was the home game against Cleveland. So he, he's strung together two straight good home games. Um, but in the fact that Murray was playing well, uh, Barnes was again kind of a no show, and it just feels like Barnes is like. The main issue, because the main issue is that he's not like he'd like to see him score, you know, 12 to 14 points a game, something in there, maybe, maybe a little less over 10, you know, and continue to get his rebounds. I don't even think he was getting his rebounds last night. I need to pull up the stats, but um, it's one of those things where it's just like he can he gets lost in the fold way too easily. And I don't know what the deal is there. People were talking about him getting in a rhythm. Well, again, it felt like when he got in a rhythm, it was deliberate. And it's like you can't be deliberate. This is a free-flowing offense. And I think one of the things that I can say about Barnes that was good last night was that he hit, I think, one or two threes. And it's like that's kind of all you can ask for. Just hit those open threes um, offensively. I don't know. That's kind of a word salad there on Harrison Barnes. But, like, what have your thoughts been? I mean,
0: like talking about a weekly update, you know, like what have you seen from him? Um, well, he played really well against the Cavs after having a terrible game against the Warriors. Um, I feel like something, um, let me pull up his stats from the Cavs just so I'm not, you know, saying stuff that's wrong. Yeah, I got him here. He,
1: he, he scored 20 points on six of eight from the field, two of four from three, and he was
0: six of eight from the free throw line. Yeah. nine rebounds and and three assists. Very, very good game. And that's what I was going to say. Six from eight from the free throw line. I think Barnes is at his best when he's attacking the rim. And, you know, he's like a two. He's he's either shooting a three or he's getting a bucket in the paint. Like, that's his game. But I just don't feel like he's been attacking the paint or having a good shot selection in the paint as of late. Um, you know, because Barnes can get to the line. He He has some good moves that can draw fouls. And he's, you know, savvy veteran guy that knows how to draw fouls. But... He just he just doesn't look as aggressive attacking the paint and kind of just throwing up shots. It looks like at times I'm like, that's just not a good shot, dude. Like in like when he's driving to the basket.
1: Um, yeah, it'll, he'll do that little like deceleration and just dribble into the abyss. Yeah, exactly.
0: And he he was like you know the four or what three years he's been here. He's like that was his move. He's really good at that. It looks a little different this year. So. This is, I think his, I mean, obviously his three point shots not falling, which is killer, but he's also just, it just doesn't seem as aggressive. And it seems like the good games he he has had so far is the games he was aggressive getting to the free throw line and, you know, scoring inside. So I want to see Barnes, you know, get a little more aggressive, but maybe, maybe, you know, not being that second option anymore maybe that is hurting him that's a, that's what kind of made me think because like some like last year when you needed a bucket and fox wasn't on the floor or, you know you, you gave it to barnes and he did that move inside or he would post up or he would try to get fouled like that was that was barnes's game and so maybe kind of putting him down the totem pole on this like you know with i guess usage i guess well, um, yeah, it's like with all the
1: other reads and everything, everything else that works together. Are you going to really put like Harrison Barnes in isolation?
0: Exactly.
1: But <laughs> Bottom of the play sheet. Exactly. But he and, he's actually but not your, bad but just at those to, plays. To your point, though, I wanted to add, though, that yeah. Warriors game, this Warriors game on Sunday, you're talking about free throws. And I would even add in rebounds as being something that he needs to do. He had, he had no attempts from the line. And zero rebounds. One of three from three. He has been four of ten, four of his last ten from three in the last three games. Um, but other than that, this is nothing. And I, I do wonder. It's like, can you get him involved somehow in screen action, or is that just
0: so adverse to what he's used to and how he plays? Yeah, dude. I, I don't know. I. I... I feel like he needs the ball <laughs> a little more honestly. Maybe maybe yeah. him being a fourth option isn't his thing anymore. Maybe he does need you know to iso sometimes. Hey, he's good in the post too honestly. The I'm yeah. in the post every now and then. Maybe I don't know, he just build his confidence a little. Um maybe that's why what's affecting his three ball as well. Maybe he's just like, well, like they're not giving me any iso plays, like I got to like I got to shoot this shot. Like this is my chance and maybe that's affecting his three point shot as well. Uh, cause that's, you know, he thinks that's all he's going to get. I don't know. It's weird. He, I wouldn't think about Harrison Barnes that way. Cause he's, he seems like a very mature player and man, but, um, you know, I, I think, I mean, the two things that have changed is his lack of usage or, you know, um, his decline in usage this year and the way he's playing. I, that's really it. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that was something I was thinking the other night. That It seems like when he's he's having his best games, it's the games he is more aggressive attacking the rim and getting to the line.
1: Yeah, and it feels like he's allowed to do that in some of these uh, games lately because, again, it felt kind of like, hey, let's get Harrison involved early. Um, And he's had a couple of good first quarters, I think, against Cleveland and Los Angeles. So I don't know. It's, if, I, if I'm going to give Chimese Metu time, <laughs> I'm going to give Harrison Barnes a little bit more time. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. It just seems like for whatever, like, oh, he looked a little better. It just doesn't seem like it was like all the way. It's like things, it just kind of seems like it's the same issue, I guess. It's just, it kind of just seems out of place. Um, I mean, and of course, like if he's – like I said, of his last 10 attempts from three over the last three games, he's four of 10, like shooting 40% from three in his last three games. Eh, That's pretty good. If you could do that throughout the season, that's great. That's fantastic. But it's just like, again, that guy's getting paid a lot of money. You'd like to be able to see better use, better production out of him. Um, If Mm -hmm. not, it's kind of an interesting question for the front office. It's kind of been –
0: the common theme when it comes to Harrison Barnes, it seems like forever now. Uh, whether it's, not- it's going to be an interesting question, but at the same time, he's your only true small forward on the team. And unless you can get one in return and if the Kings are playing well, right. If they're playing well going forward this season um, and they have a chance at the plan or the playoffs and, you know, Barnes is still playing poorly I, you can really only trade him if you're getting a small forward in return. And I think yeah. that's going to be the issue. I think he's dealt if the Kings is like, okay, like, you know, cause it's a contract year and he'll be dealt if the Kings have no like hopes of making the plan or playoffs, but he's, he's your only option right now. That's what I thought, you know, I didn't think Bazemore was the answer at the three, but kind of hurting cutting that guy because he was really the only true backup three that was on the Kings training camp roster so um I mean it seems like he's staying put unless you can get a small forwarding return because I remember there's like that John Collins talk earlier but you, you can't you can't do that now you don't have a small forward unless you trust Murray or you move Herder to the four or three and then Monk starts or Davis starts but that just kind of screws up with your depth at that point so I think you just have to hope Barnes just pulls it together at some point this season. And you know, he could, it's Harrison Barnes, but he's, uh, he's been very questionable early on this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of just, it's just,
1: it, it's more and more apparent that it's like, oh, he's probably, it's not like anything's wrong with him. It's just not meshing well with the situation. At least the, at this point but um we'll have to see i mean it's early november i guess i think we said like a month ago though like maybe less than a month a couple weeks ago we're like you know thanksgiving time into november like if things still aren't working with Barnes, like that's gonna it's gonna be an issue they're winning games they're figuring it out i mean they're getting good production out of other guys Seems like whenever Lyles needs to go, and he's great. Whenever Terrence Davis goes in, he's ready to go. Um, and they're, you know, guys like that, and other guys on the bench are just ready to make an impact in other ways. So it's not like, you know, I guess that it's a huge problem right now. I mean, they're winning, but you just like to be able to see more production out of Barnes. And, and, and like, like you said, like getting to the free throw line would be nice to see. But like, continuing being that guy on the glass, it was weird that he didn't have any rebounds on Sunday night. Because um, at the very least, you'd almost expect him to be doing that. He did have three assists, he, but.
0: Um. No, that's a good point. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of Barnes' thing. He's probably, he usually grabs around five rebounds. He has a good game. He can get, you know, eight to ten. So, it is weird. Um, Barnes is good at, you know, those fundamental things. And if he wants to, you know, show that he's you know, worth it or worthy asset or whatever, you know, playing well, he's those, those boards are necessary on his part. That's one of the things he does, you know, well, not great, but he does it, you know, he'll go in for boards. So yeah, it is, it is noteworthy that he had zero, but that's our weekly
1: update on Harrison Barnes. Stay tuned for next week.
0: Yes. Hopefully, (laughs) you know, hopefully we can say great things and how he scored, uh, you know, 45 against the Nets tonight. Um, But, you know, we'll find out next week or tonight. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, you got anything else or what's Um, up? No, not really. I think that's pretty good. Uh, I think that's basically everything I got here. That's basically everything. Well, you know, the Kings national TV, the first time since before the pandemic. If you remember their last nationally televised game uh, on TNT or ESPN was the night the NBA shut down. They were supposed to play the Pelicans. Um, I I really don't remember their, their real last one before that. So it's going to be exciting. The Kings have a chance to go over 500 in the win loss column. Uh, They're playing the Nets KD on TNT. It's going to be exciting night. I'm definitely looking forward to it and hopefully, you know, fox and sabonis keep doing what they're doing and harrison barnes has a better game and so we can talk good about him next week but <laughs> wrap it up john
1: <laughs> well you know just keep an eye on out for those kings they're playing good basketball i think you
0: know that though well tony and john bring <laughs> bringing you king stock presented by capsity crown thanks for tuning in and until next time have a good one